Hello everyone and welcome to Agalis Current Affairs, a marine science podcast set in southern Africa. With me as one of your hosts, Dr. Janusz Kisnowski Koskopi and... And Dr. Nelson Miranda of Argonaut Science. Yes, and we just recorded an episode where we described, or at least I described, Nelson Miranda of Argonaut Science. And now it's Nelson Miranda of Argonaut Science's turn to describe Janusz of Koskopi. No, no, I, I should add, you described me to a T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now it's my turn, and I'm I'm ready to be embarrassed. <laughs> ready to be embarrassed. <laughs> like I said, because I mean, yeah. I guess the general assumption, yeah, the general assumption is that uh, scientists know everything, and they certainly know what the other scientists are up to. Yeah. They know each other. They know exactly what they yeah. do. And uh, sometimes I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for me when it came to you. But like I said, I think your like your professional work is much more out there. Whereas my uh, like I keep it like I keep quiet to myself, I suppose. Like a lot of the work that I do is like by myself. <laughs> that's why I think it's a lot quieter. Let me try. Let me start from the top. So I know that you are a doctor, okay. right? <laughs> Sorry with the basics. And yeah. uh, I believe, no, no, no. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I can, I can add descriptions to this. Okay. I think you're a fishy person. So I think you did. <laughs> I believe you've done your PhD on fish, right? This is true. And I believe that you know a thing or two about fish behavior okay okay but you also know about the ecology uh, of fish in in estuaries i think specifically estuarine fish okay all right okay. you got my phd done yeah for sure okay <laughs> so i know i know your background a little bit yeah, you know yeah. so then um what do you do okay so i think we need to split that into uh, science work and into um, sort of, what, what should I say, into business. Because mm. I, I do believe that you have uh, entrepreneurial skills and then you have um, skills relating to the audiovisual arts. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's close enough. You got to go around there it. There we go. Yeah. Okay, that's the roundabout. <laughs> that's the broad. Yeah, I, I went, I went on purpose, uh, very, very broadly, vague. because then it's most likely yeah, yeah, to to hit yeah. something there, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, you could either do that, or you just keep so, saying things until you hit the right thing. <laughs> that's the yeah. two techniques. Yeah. No. Okay. So, so hold on, hold on. On a typical day, mm. okay, I see two typical types of days for you, right? On a typical day, as a scientist. Right. I see you spending half the day in an office and half the day in an aquarium. Right. If, if you're not doing field work, of course, because that, you know, that's another type of day. But let's just say a typical most often day would not be spent in the field. I believe that like other scientists, we spend most of our days in the yeah. office yeah. or yeah. if you have to deal with live, you know, Things, then you have some sort of aquarium yeah, uh, like, or some yeah, sort of lab. Sure. That's, that's the difference between like the field work that you do versus the field work that I do. Whereas you go out and like most of the times you're like counting things, you're like measuring things in the field. Most of the time, and you do bring stuff back to the lab, but I don't think that's like the majority. 
whereas the majority of my field work yeah. is just going out and getting animals and then bringing them back to the lab and then most of my work is done in the aquarium lab um, yeah that's right and then this is what i think you do because you you were unfortunate enough to pick a subject where you're, um, you know, you have to take care of the things in the lab to yeah. like a very high degree. Including myself. And they live for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. they, 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 they grow up and you have to take care of that. Mm. You have to take care of them from babies until they're, you know, juveniles and even adults, perhaps. And that, that can take years, mm. you know. Mm. And uh, that's, that requires a lot of accurate sort of skills, uh, which I believe you have. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also believe that obviously, you know, so that's in the, in the aquarium, which is the lab will be mostly an aquarium. That's what I see in my mind. And then in the office, you would be, um, you know, spending most of the time um, handling the data that you've now collected in the lab. Okay, like data processing most of the time. And then spending a smaller amount of time trying to make sense of it. And probably making plans for, oh my gosh, you know, what must I do next? Must I go back into the field and collect another batch mm -hmm. uh, of fish? Or must I continue with what I have and, you know, change the treatment? You know, uh, is this still online with what I wanted to do with my research, mm -hmm. the aim of my research? Mm -hmm. This is what I think you basically worrying a lot when you're in the, in the, <laughs> in the, <laughs> in the office and then worrying some more because you will arrive at the aquarium and being like, oh my gosh, the, the nitrogen levels are way off. Uh, I need to scrub, I need to clean, I need to change the water. Uh, and you're on call basically because you can't just have a holiday and come back and hope that everything is still on track. This is like you're on call. Am, am I? Am this is I... too real for me. <laughs> too real, yeah. This is too real. <laughs> It sounds like all I'm my nightmares. If I'm bringing up trauma, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It, it, it is a lot of that. Keeping animals, um, especially aquarium stuff, especially marine stuff, is not as a simple task. It's not like keeping a cat or, or a dog mm -hmm. or even like a pet hamster. It's like they're in a they're in a medium that's not air that we like we live in. They're in water. And the chemistry of their water changes as they are feeding, as they're living, as they're doing all types of things. So when you're an aquarist, it's it's keeping your water quality in check is the number one priority. And in order to do that, you have to first like be able to monitor and then know what to do when things change. And then when fish get sick, you have to know the protocols. You usually just go and toss them in water with some copper and, and hope and hope for the best. Um, and yeah, so uh, also you're fixing stuff all the time because wow. there's moving parts, there's electrical stuff in the water and those things we know do not often mix in, yeah, throughout history. Um, and they have sometimes mixed in me in, in, in that I got electrically oh, yeah. shocked. I actually times. recall. Yeah. I recall uh, visiting you and being horrified, uh, you know, <laughs> at your working conditions 
and 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 amazed that you are still functioning <laughs> and uh, how are you still you know how haven't you been shocked uh, <laughs> <laughs> to death <laughs> yeah. uh, you know so much to death <laughs> yeah. you know and i know that you've had to you know uh, manage your own mm. health and safety mm. uh, you know environment because yeah. um, it's you know even though there are standards you, if you make a mistake you can still you know so it's not only the environment of your subjects in the fish yeah. it's your own yeah. uh, you know uh, environment that you have to manage so that yeah. you're also alive at the end of all of this yeah it, when i started off early like in, like uh, during my honors like bachelor's degree um i've for my for that project i just scrounged a lot of like existing things that were like in storage for like a long time they weren't that well like um designed but also like i was using them in a way they weren't like intended for like i just like took a bunch of things and like put them together and in in that sort of case because i didn't design it personally it was a lot more dangerous and also yeah in in the in that lab they, they, it's so old and wasn't meant for i think what it was originally meant for that it was not that safe but for my phd i like i had a lot more access to funding and i was able to design my own stuff so it was much safer for my phd because i had more control over how everything ran uh, but yeah like don't do what i did for honor so it's very dangerous <laughs> yeah i mean different times yeah. as well i think the regulations weren't being enforced at that stage but i think things have changed now hopefully yeah. but you know as they say this is africa so uh, <laughs> gotta make a plan know, it's quite common that <laughs> yeah. you have to make a plan with less than up to standard facility uh, and you have those skills, which mm. is really impressive. Mm. Uh, that's always something that I, I, you know, I always bring up this story when I'm talking, you know, about you and yeah. even to you every time I'm reminding you. Sorry about yeah. that. So, so then, like, what kind of scientist I am? Okay. Because I think, like, if you start there, it's more easy. I think it's better to to describe or easier to describe. Like I, said, like I said, you're a macroecologist, yeah. right? Like mainly ecologist. Yeah, so you would be an ichthyologist, right? Okay. Ichthyologist, generally speaking. Okay. But um, I'd, I'd say that you'd be a, a specialist in um, fish ecology. I'm going to say fish ecology. Fish ecology, yeah. interesting. Well, that's not, I don't think that's technically mm. true. I think my highest okay. field of expertise is, is a marine ecophysiologist, a marine animal ecophysiologist. And I think ichthyology might be under that maybe a level. But the thing is, I'm only an expert okay. in one fish, like one species of fish, <laughs> like not even like generally fish. It's just the Cape Stump nose right. that, that I'm an expert on because I've done ecological and physiological work on it. But in terms of fish ecology, in terms of a lot of fish, that's not my expertise. Um, so my... Well, you know what? Okay. I am... Yeah? Continue. No, no, go. Um, so I'm, so, I'm so mainly you know by what? training a marine ecophysiologist. So in general, I take marine animals from the wild, throw them in water of varying different... Uh, safety levels i suppose and see how their physiology yeah, yeah. reacts that's my main branch of science 
Mind blown. Mind blown. But you're taking animals that have a backbone. You know what I mean? Not necessarily. Uh, because, okay, for honor, my, my honors was fish and my PhD was fish. But my undergrad project was on mussels, the Pono Pono. I looked at the effect of varying levels of uh, copper into, uh, uh, toxication on mussels. And for my, my masters, I worked on corals. So I looked at coral bleaching. I looked at how, if you feed the corals, because corals have two ways of getting energy, uh, at least like some hard corals. One of them is that they have this symbiotic relationship. Um, so they are actually like cnidarians, so like little stinging animals and they live in colonies. But they have this symbiotic relationship with, with uh, algae called zooxanthellae. And that algae is like is like a like a plant. So it's it's photosynthesized and it gives energy to the animal part and in turn the animal part like gives it shelter and, and nitrogen and stuff like that. But corals can also feed. They're like little jellyfishes and like jellyfish like trap things and like kind of eat it that way. So I was looking at whether um, if you are able to feed the corals, so if they have a lot of uh, planktonic food to eat, does that make them more resistant to to bleaching? So, you know, if, if temperatures get too high, then corals, uh, what happens is that the zooxanthellae produce too much stuff, and uh, that stuff is very uh, damaging to the zooxanthellae. It's called free radicals, like reactive oxygen species. So it's a lot of, like, very damaging oxygen. And then the the corals or the, the animal part is like, no, I'm not going to have this. I'm just going to throw you outside. Like, you have to throw the whole algae away. So they expel the zooxanthellae, and that's why they turn white, um, which is not good for them because they need this, this symbiotic relationship. So it's not, yeah. not necessarily... I, uh, I'm an ecophysiologist with a lot of things. It's not necessarily um, just just fish. Although fish is my probably the most that I've worked on now at this point. Yeah. Recent. But you are actually you are actually an ecophysiologist as the base, not yeah. not an ichthyologist. So that's yeah. And that's that's wild yes. because I'm an ecophysiologist as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm finding this out now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we've had discussions about that before. And it's like just goes to show you, but like not like not a lot. Like I think in passing, um, we we've mentioned it, but we never spoke at length about it. Um, which is why, yeah, yeah, which is why I think you didn't put two and two together. But yeah, as a base, I'm equal for sale, just no. But like now, now I'm I, I stand corrected. I knew I'd be humbled and uh, you know <laughs> embarrassed slightly. Um, and now we have more to talk about because you know we are actually. Um, so I I've obviously specialized in invertebrates and climate change uh, stuff with ecophysiology, and uh, I've done you know lots of experimental work where you change uh, the conditions to mimic like heat waves for example mm. and uh, and you have a look at uh, you know the responses of organisms uh, but invertebrates of course they give you information a lot quicker which mm. is why i was kind of saying oh fish are a tough one to work with because mm. you know there's so much work and you have to wait so long to get a response whereas with invertebrates you can manipulate things and they, their turnover of life is so much quicker so you can do experiments at a faster rate and therefore mm. 
generate and process more information. Um, so yeah, we <laughs> we should talk now. <laughs> we should talk more often. Um, <laughs> so so the other thing is um, so the other day, the other typical day for you, I see you uh, sort of uh, editing, uh, you know, uh, using uh, you know your laptop to edit audio visual, you know, um, stuff, mm -hmm. right? So I'm thinking that you um, you work. Uh, you know, you are contracted perhaps to uh, produce um, advertisements or, uh, you know, clips or maybe social media, uh, like very specifically, you know, um, edited or native content type social, e social media stuff. So a bit of graphic design, I believe. Um, and uh, so that you are a science communicator. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a tool. I think it's a tool, but yeah. I think it's to, it's relating mostly to science communication. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I and now I just remembered. Yes, science communication. That rings a bell with you. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. So my my company is is fairly new. So it's still getting off the ground <coughs> compared to yours. Um, so it, that is true. What you said. I do get contracted to create videos or parts of videos. So I've done an advertisement for the zoology department at NMU and I got contracted to write scripts for educational, um, educational videos. So turning information from like a technical sort of language to a more, I suppose, layman understandable language um, is part of it. But yes, the science communicator is what I'm aiming to be, at least in the professional sense. And that involves um, kind of blending in science with social media marketing. So it's not just video or audiovisual. That's that's part of it. Although my it started off as a hobby that way, because as a hobby, I like to make audiovisual things, especially video um, for YouTube and like home video, well, sort of with home video, I suppose, before YouTube was a thing. And then, yeah, it was creating videos for myself for fun, and then eventually started doing it in a semi professional capacity and now turning it to a professional capacity. So I now have training, I have, I have a course that I did at mm. Stellenbosch University in science communication, so I suppose I'm somewhat trained. <laughs> And I have years of experience creating content for the internet. But more less, I suppose less, uh, it's, that's more of a hobby sort of thing, but turning into a professional sort of way. So that is, yeah, the, the geekoscopy side of what I do in general. So you, you basically, you okay. basically got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, basically, <laughs> no scraping by over here on the guesswork. Yeah. But but now I'm gonna I'm gonna guess something that I think you don't do, but I also think you should be doing. Actually, okay. my first right. guess of things you don't do, right, is um, voice acting. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I don't think you do voice acting. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, but maybe you I should voice, be doing voice my acting. own videos, so I suppose. And technically, yeah, but I mean, I've voiced you know, a lot of like NPCs and Dungeons and Dragons, so I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I thought about That's it because I, I think we did like have this like by the way conversation before, and it's the thing is like if you. 
like anything that you want to take up new if you're doing a profession like doing it like for fun is very different from doing it professional sense as like as i as you probably know starting up a, like a new business it's not a it, it's like like you might have the talent for something but talent doesn't necessarily translate into turning it into a profession rot the hard work so like if you want to be a voice actor that means you have to like be an actor firstly because an actor is part of it and then you need to take acting classes and know something about the theory behind acting um so just making funny voices even though i can't do that sometimes doesn't necessarily translate to paid work although it can and i could i could do it if i put the time behind it it is possible um and i've done research about it but you don't do but i don't do it yes <laughs> this is true ah. Aha. <laughs> I'm open to doing it though. If anybody wants to 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 contract me to do voiceover work, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I need yeah, to put I a reel together. Talented. That's the thing. That's the thing I haven't done to actually mm. get it started, like putting a voice reel together because that's what you actually start. Yeah, you need a portfolio yeah. of sorts. Because I mean, you you the the interesting thing about your um so you you are a dungeon master and and you organize uh, role-playing games. Um, and you, I mean, you, it's, it's practical, um, what kind of acting is it? It's like, um, improv, improv. improv yeah. yeah, it's improv. Like, um, and that, like when, when you actually, uh, run and you're quite serious about it because there's a lot of work that goes into organizing the oh yeah the <laughs> yeah and, uh, it's a part-time you know. job yeah 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 it's actually it's it's incredible i mean we obviously you have a whole system that you use because i know i'm part of it as a player um there, there's there's like a, a a system that helps you uh, you know structure you know the 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 theater of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. this is true. <laughs> um, but it does come down to uh, like improv and it does, it, I think it does help. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to, to you know, doing a sort of improv activity and whether you do an improv class or mm. whether you're part of the Dungeons and Dragons, you know, group and you, you know, you get given a scenario and then you have to just be creative yeah, on the yeah. spot. It does force you to be creative on the spot. But I think that we've been, we've been shown how uh, if you apply professional skills to D&D, uh, uh, we, we see how that becomes a success, like that can be the hallmark of a, of a successful a dungeon master, mm. someone who has these skills yeah. or talents, yeah. you know, yeah. to to bring into the game. Uh, yeah, you know, it, to, it's it, it's if, a lot because anyone like, knows anything about sure. it's for mainstream D and D, it fills stadiums, guys. It fills <laughs> yeah. stadiums. It can, it, it can <laughs> for for uh, stadiums. Yeah, especially referring to Critical Role, that's probably the most popular one. Oh right yeah. Now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of different skills, and especially on the type of dungeon master. For one, it's like project management, because you have to get like a group of adults together every week for for like a long period of time. <laughs> and that's like scheduling, project management, and then organization skills, and like it's creative writing, because you do it's a fancy story you need to write. 
Um, I have a lot of audiovisual stuff in mind to bring the audiovisual back uh, into it. Um, you, you probably notice how new like some of the tech is compared to three years ago. It's, it's, it's very different now. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a lot of different skills. That's what I like about Dungeon Master. It's a lot of different skills that you can put together to create something. And then depending on what you like to do otherwise, you can tailor make your game to that. So if you're like an artist, like you can create your own like portraits or if you like uh, 3D printing, like you can make your own minis. If you like painting, you can like, paint minis. Uh, if you like building things, you can like make terrain and stuff. So, depending on like what you like to do, you, like you can make your your own game in the in the way that only you okay. can make it. Um, so yeah, I think we went to a wide so, tangent so, there. Yeah, I think uh, I no, but uh, I I think I've got you. I didn't do too badly then. Yeah, because, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I did guess some of the things correctly, yeah, yeah. and. Um, and I mean, I know that you don't sit and do chemistry, uh, as in, as in, you know, uh, chemical engineering. No. Although you you work with water chemistry, so technically, yeah, kind of, yeah, but, yeah. But you know, <laughs> it's applied. It's applied. Yeah, it's applied. Yeah, and um, so it wasn't too bad. I didn't embarrass myself too badly, but it still goes to show that you know we we don't really know each other you know for example as scientists as professionals as well as we ought to so it's always good to ask each other what I do suppose, you actually do yeah. tell me you know the thing is this how can you keep track of like all the scientists you know and what they do though it's, it's and like i said it, it's probably because we don't work together much which is kind of sad even though we're in the same like lab but we did such widely different things well, isn't isn't that the point? Because I mean, the skills that you've just listed mean that uh, you know, if, if we work with you, you could help us to uh, you know get our portfolios together, <laughs> yeah. make a little introductory video, yeah. and update that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like just uh, get it out there so that people actually see maybe what we actually get out to. I think it'll be very interesting, and you've got the skills for that. For sure. I mean, I, I did offer to that a while back. We just never got to, never got to it. But, yeah. Who has the time has though? The time you know, to it's do like, anything. Uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> because again, another thing is that um, I believe you do this as a business, not, you know. So mm. like, you have to have a demand, you have to have funding, you know. Yeah. And uh, you have to have time to do yeah. it, in, and we prioritize our time yeah. according to um, you know funding as well. Yeah, so that sure. is the that's what, sometimes the sad thing we'd balls. like to do other things. <laughs> yeah. But we have to do what pays the bills first, you know. Yeah. Um, For sure. Mm. But yeah, we we will, we will, we will continue because now that I know that you're an ecophysiologist and I'm reminded <laughs> of your training in science communication, that, that maybe that will shift the uh, priority of marketing. <laughs> you said you do marketing. Ah, yeah. we need marketing. So uh, yeah, that will help us shift the priorities, and it's it's great, great <laughs> to get to know you a bit better. <laughs> Long-time friends. Long-time friends. <laughs> Long-time friends. Any, anything else you want to add? Um, yeah, maybe you can say you. You should say the final few words. Oh, final few words. Oh, did you miss anything? Did I miss anything? 
Not really. I think we hit the, the broad context. Um, the other thing that I've kind of done over the past like 10 years is actually taking existing data and like reanalyzing it with new like analyses, which is currently like what I'm working on now at this moment. So some of the science that I do that has like no field work or no lab work, it's just data that exists already that I then go and ask new questions about and then re-reanalyze. Um, so that's what I'm working on right now. I'm working on looking at the effect of interdecadal um, scale changes in larval variability along the South African coast. So that that's my gig now <laughs> at, the, at the moment. Yeah. I think that's about it. Yeah, if you want to find that's any it. of the stuff, data add data analyst, <laughs> add data, data analyst, analyst to the yeah, pile. Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. And uh, wrap it in a nice uh, bow, and you've got uh, you Yannis. Yeah, data analyst <laughs> for sure. Maybe I should get a data analyst job because those are they're in high demand now. Even though that's something we do on the database, they base. are in high demand. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So if you want to find my regular work you can probably find me on researchgate at dr yannis Van kisten i think there's only one of me uh and if you want to find my other stuff it's at geekoscopy.com if you're looking on the podcast i'm pointing to my head because it says geekoscopy <laughs> at geekoscopy.com you'll find all of my uh science communication stuff um oh this podcast which you is a science media. communication thing so i'm putting it into practice yeah. Exactly. And on social media as well. Yeah, for sure. At Geekoscopy on everything, except Yahoo and MSN. On all platforms. Yeah. All the platforms that have died, you won't find me on. But all the new ones, you will. Yeah, and you can check out this show on YouTube now. There's, a, there's an account for that. On Twitter, at Agalus Current, because we represent the Agalus Current now. So we are just at Agalus Current. And uh, I'm thinking of doing a TikTok, but we'll see. Well, we'll see how it goes. But right now, yeah, you can find us on the internet. Adagala's Current, Adagala's Current Affairs, at Ecoscopy, at Argonaut Science as well. At Argonaut Science as well. And uh, yeah, you can also find Argonaut Science in the webs, in the Googles. And uh, we hope to see you uh, soon. Maybe we can ask, what do you do to another, another few people? We should have some guests yeah. and try to guess what they do. Yeah, for fun. sure. That would be that would be fun. Some old old colleagues trying to figure out what they're doing right now. Yeah. So I think it was a fun chat. Thanks for thanks for joining. Yeah. Thank you. That was really fun. Cheers. Cheers.